is the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. Live from the Tap House Grill in Montgomery. Now alongside the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, here's your host, Nick Brunker. All right, we're in on a Monday night live at the Tap House Grill here in Kenwood. Glad you're with us on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show on the Cyclones Radio Network. We'll be joined tonight not only by the head coach of the Cyclones, but Brian Foster and Dan Eves, an action-packed show, to say the least, as we move from now until 8 o'clock. Another Monday night. As we recap the week that was for the Cyclones and look ahead to three more games this week, two of which will be away. More about that in just a little bit. Plus news on an upcoming party bus to get to before the hour is up and how you can score some tickets for that. But first, welcome in the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, as he will have a chance to now perhaps analyze the last week of games. Three games over four days. Uh, I guess give us your analysis of the trio as a whole. Uh, It was obviously a disappointing week. I think we started off the way we wanted to, getting a win on uh, Tuesday morning. I thought the guys played very well, and, and uh, uh, in that win, I thought it was a fast-paced game, and it was uh, right down to the end, and a uh, good, good way to start off the week. And then, of course, Thursday, Friday was uh, was very disappointing, I think, uh, uh, from start to finish. I mean, it was, um, you know, tough. You play Evansville, and, I, you know, a team you just can't take lightly. You can't take anybody lightly. Uh, I mean, you know, the reason you play the games is, uh, uh, you know, to, to find out who's going to win. And, uh, you know, they have every right to come in here and uh, play hard and give themselves a, an opportunity. I think that's what they did. I thought that game played right into their favor. We took uh, unnecessary penalties that allowed them to get on their power play. I thought we played to their pace and we got into a uh, uh, a game we didn't want to get into with them. So, um, you know, unfortunately, we still had an opportunity. You know, it's tough to take a penalty with two and a half, two and a half minutes to go. And. Uh, you know them them scoring on the on the power play with uh, with, with a minute to go, but uh, you know it was disappointing. I think it's a game that uh, you know we, we we like to establish ourselves against Evansville. We played them 13 times. That was the first meeting. We're going to see them a lot. So yeah, it would have been really nice to get that win. I think uh, carried over into uh, Friday's game. Uh, you know Redding's one of the ho- is probably the hottest team in the league. Uh, and again, I don't think we brought our best, and uh, you know unfortunately fell short again. And but at the end, we still had an opportunity. So it was. Um, you know, it was disappointing in, in that just in that regard that uh, we had uh, a couple games ahead of us there that I thought could have made for a great week for us. You look at the roster notes over the weekend, and, and obviously this is the time of year where uh, sometimes they, at least in years past, have been very plentiful. Uh, you have one day, you have a move, you have a completely different move that maybe negates the other one the day later. Uh, this week and the last couple of weeks really have been quiet up until this point. Now over the weekend you have a few moves. Josh Shalla and Cam Reed go up to the American League just a couple of days after Cam Reed made his first stop in Peoria. I guess we'll start with Reed and then talk about Shalla. How did the, the read to Milwaukee go? Because I remember at the beginning of the year, he was theoretically going to be a part of that Milwaukee-Nashville organization in some capacity. What has changed since then? Well, what happened is uh, Cameron's a draft pick of the uh, Nashville Predators, someone that uh, they brought to training camp in Milwaukee. He would have gone to the, their NHL camp. Uh, they really like him. They, they've, they've got some high expectations for him. Unfortunately, with, uh, with a lockout situation, uh, you know, especially an organization like Nashville, they're not handing out money. And, um, you know, they just didn't, uh, couldn't offer him a contract. I think any other year they would have had a contract for him, whether it be an NHL contract or a, at least an American League contract. And uh, uh, just with the climate out there, uh, you know, they are not spending any more money. And uh, they basically asked us to sign him. So he came to us, and um, uh, what happens is that he can go to any American League team. He just cannot sign an NHL contract with uh any other NHL team, his rights do belong to Nashville. So it was a situation where, uh, you know, Peoria needed a guy and, uh, uh, you know, it would be a great opportunity for him to get his first American League game, get some experience. So he went up there and played very well, and sure enough, he practiced today and right after got called up to Milwaukee. 
And now Josh Shallow, of course, going to join him there. That move may, uh, came uh, uh, just a f uh, 24 hours ago, not even. Uh, I'm not sure if it was connected to the now-announced Gabriel Bork suspension, but uh, whether or not they are related, certainly a guy uh, for Josh Shallow that, that earned this call-up uh, over the last week. He's an ECHL Player of the Week nominee. We'll see in, in the next 24 hours or so if he ends up earning that award. And, and quite honestly, I think without uh, Riala out in Stockton posting, I think it was eight points uh, over three games, he probably would have won it. Uh, and we're still not sure if he will, but uh, he has been a guy, and we talked about it on the pregame show all week last week, all three games we mentioned his name, uh, about how he's progressed over the last two and a half to three weeks, and now he gets that earned job. What does it mean for him to get a call up this early? Well, it, just the way it's worked out for him, coming down and, and you know not playing, being a healthy scratch, and then coming in the lineup and finding success. I mean, he's... Uh, He's really picked it up. His compete level, his battle levels, really upped, and, and he started getting rewarded. I mean, he had a he had a great week and scored some big goals for us. And uh, so it's nice to see uh, you know when a guy uh, you know doesn't get the play, gets challenged, responds, and then gets called up. I think it's a great uh, great message for him and a great message for all the other guys too. So, uh, but like you said, Nick, it's well deserved. I thought he played. Uh, very well in all areas and scored some big goals for us last week. I was just going to say, you mentioned the motivation factor, and that was leads right into my next question. If you see a guy like that, uh, who you play with, play around, and you know, there's always that competition, that healthy fire that, that I think resides in every single player. Does that end up putting pressure on every single other player? Maybe not so much a, I don't want to lose my job to somebody like that, but rather, if he can do it, I know I can too. I, I think so, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, it's, it, every situation is different within organizations and stuff like that, but I think the way it played out for Josh and, um, like I said, from being, not playing to getting in the lineup, uh, contributing, playing well, getting called up, I think that's a great progression and a great uh, great week. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, you look at guys that are under contract, whether it be, you know, looking at some of the forwards, the guys that are doing well with uh, Garrett Wilson with San Antonio and David Pecan, you know, those guys uh, – see that i'm sure at times it can be frustrating because you know they've been doing very well also and not called up so it's really two different situations but at the end of the day you just keep doing the right things keep having finding success you'll get rewarded and you'll get that call up at least for now the way the roster is shaping up before you were having trouble putting guys in the lineup just because of the sheer magnitude of the roster you had not enough spaces for all the guys you have now it's going to have a chance uh, you guys are going to have a chance to, to place some of those guys in. You don't have anybody on the injured reserve list, or the, the reserve list. You have two on the injured reserve, 21 day. But it, it, it's a time now where it's perhaps an opportunity for guys that didn't get a whole lot of ice time to step up and show that they can be out there every shift. Well, this will be the first time all year we've got, uh, we have 10 forwards on our roster now, and, you know, we've been carrying 12 and 13, and um, so now uh, the 10 we have are going to play. So that, that, that'll give, uh, you know, Josh Burkholz more ice time. He's sort of been our 10th forward the last couple games. I uh, thought he played very well last game, scored that mm -hmm. goal, his first professional goal. That'll give him an opportunity. And then Andre Bouvet-Morissette, who, who played a few games early on in the year, was injured and has not been in our lineup for a while. So, uh, you know, that's going to give him a great opportunity to get in, play lots of minutes, and, uh, um, you know, get back into it. Because obviously with, uh, you know, 13 forwards here, it's tough to find uh, – find a way to get him in the lineup, and when he is in, find a way to get him ice time. So I think for those two it's, uh, uh, in particular, though, this is a great uh, great opportunity for both those guys. A, a guy that is on the injury reserve list that has been for some time, in fact, the entire regular season, Anthony Luciani, uh, I imagine that his time on the IR, at least in terms of having days to serve, has expired. He's been on there long enough now, so whenever he's ready, he could theoretically come off. What's his status now, and do you see him in the lineup any time in the next few weeks yet? No, we're still waiting on a few things with him. He's got a, a few issues, even with his back, from it, which was originally when he came down, which was an issue, and uh, he's got a, a wrist issue now. So there's um, 
some things that they're going through to see what uh, what 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 the next steps are to be whether he needs surgery or to just let him let him heal and we'll we'll see what happens. But I would anticipate seeing Anthony Luciani uh, in our lineup for quite some time. He's not even practicing with us right now, so I think he's more the social convener uh, <laughs> as, as he stands right now. And uh, but uh, he's there every morning and just getting his treatment and hopefully getting better or, or, or getting surgery ready for uh, 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 when the time's right. A guy that has been recovering from injury is likely to be back this week. One of our guests tonight, Brian Foster, who is, despite the fact that he hasn't been in uh, in the net for the week or so, a little plus now, three-plus games, he's still ranked sixth in the ECHL in goals against average. That says a lot about the start he had. Oh, yeah. I mean, going, uh, you know, 7-0-2, uh, you know, start the year. I think uh, you look at those games, all those one-goal games, I mean, uh, you know, there are some huge saves at the end of games to keep a lead or, uh, you know, in tie games at Fozzie just made some huge saves and uh, uh, made all the difference in the world. I think the guys played with a lot of uh, confidence uh, in, in him and confidence in themselves, and it makes a huge difference. I thought our team, uh, you know, when, when, when they know Fozzie's in net, they, they respond, and I thought uh, – you know, when you start the year off like that, I think a lot of the credit's got to go to the goaltending and Brian Foster. And certainly the way the penalty kill had been uh, going through the last few weeks uh, with him in net, it's, it, it is not a disconnected statistic when you talk about the number of penalties you're able to kill off and the play of your goaltender. I think they go hand in hand, don't they? Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a stat that, you know, you look at penalty killing guys that's some of the best in the league and stuff, and it's not, uh, most teams, it's not reinventing the wheel on how you kill penalties. I mean, you've got four guys against five, and, I think you, when you can rely on your goaltender to make those saves, that makes all the difference in the world. Uh, great to see Matthew Alban get back onto the scoring side of things. He's been so close uh, so many times over the course of the year, and uh, like a lot of players, sometimes it just takes a little bit to get that spark. And uh, Speaking of, he's getting pucks to get on net. Now he's getting him to go in. Uh, does it take just that little bit of spark? Maybe it's a chance now for, for that goal to turn into two and three and four and get back to his averages that he always hits. I think so. I, you know, he's frustrated. He wants to contribute. I mean, the, the good thing is, uh, you know, we're winning some hockey games, so it's uh, it's not a case of your your you, you absolutely need them going. We're going to need uh, Avi to, to to find the back of the net for us to be successful. But uh, at the same time, you know, we were winning hockey games. But you know, he wants to contribute. He wants to score goals. He wants to be involved in the offense and. Uh, uh, it was good to see him get on the board there and, and get that off his back. So I know it's been a, quite some time since he scored. And, you know, hopefully, let's see, maybe this is what he needed, get a goal like that, and uh, things can start rolling in his way here down the stretch here. We, we talked about secondary scoring, and we, we won't go back into that whole uh, avenue here. But Dan Eves being with us tonight, I think it's a it's a fair thing to point out that uh, for a guy, as as you expect to be a leader on and off the ice, has really done a good job of, of getting into the mix with different players. You put him on different lines in different situations, and he's done a good job. And you said it something to me over the, uh, the last week. I don't remember which pregame show it was, but you, you, you said that when he's on the ice, the players, whoever you put him on the line with, are better because he's out there with them. Tell me about what he's meant to you. Well, I, I think exactly that is uh, whatever line needs he's on, that line's better. You know, whether, you know, he's playing left wing or center and, and, and you know, he's playing with two, a left wing and a right wing, and that line's going to be better because he's on it. I think, uh, you know, Eves, uh, he's a pro. He's a detailed player. I mean, he does every little thing right. I mean, if you, if you pay attention to, to the way he plays, there's nothing flashy about it. He's got some good speed. He's got a great shot, but uh, it's his details. It's his, his defensive responsibility. It's the way he... He, uh, you know, takes care of all the little things that you have to, that pros have to do. And, and he's a great example for our young guys of, uh, you know, how to play the game, how you get called up and how you be successful is taking care of all those little details. So when I say he's uh, he makes a line better, it doesn't matter. You can put him with a couple guys that are either learning 
you know, those details, but uh, Easy's going to solidify that line and make it better. So, um, you know, I think right away when it connected with uh, Pelly and Avi last year, and uh, I think we're going to go back to that a little bit here uh, as, as we get going a little bit more. But, uh, um, you know, he complements that line so well. I mean, we've moved people in and out with Pelly and Avi and haven't found the same results. Mm -hmm. And I think when Easy's with them, he just uh, he makes those two better. And, um, you know, the tough part is... Uh, uh, you know, you want him on another line too, because you want to help out maybe Cam Reed and Josh Shala and, and something like that. Or so, um, you know, that's it, it's so great to have Easy to be able to move around in different positions. And whether it's killing penalties or a power play or last minute of a game or last minute of a period, whether you're up or down, I think Easy's always going to be in a, on the action. A number of NHL uh, people, whether it be scouts or coaches or broadcasters, were in our building over the last week and a half. And I guess you could start with Tuesday. We won't go into to all the specifics, but conversations kind of came to, to my to my doorstep and to yours, I think, about uh, a, a lot of different things. But one constant, at least from where I sat up in the press box, everyone that came to the game that we had a chance to talk to, either on the air and off, kept coming back to the same name, David Pecan. Talk about his progress and how impressive he has been, so much so that, that guys from the NHL that have come down to watch that haven't never seen potentially a game of ours in person or even on TV or on the American broadcast, to talk about him and, and what he's meant to you as an offensive player. Well, it's amazing. You know, you see a guy day in, day out, and you, you, know, you like what he does, and he's obviously f uh, finding success offensively, you know, leading our team in scoring, and he's, he's basically primarily been our third-line centerman and, and very limited power play, but still finding ways to contribute but uh you know again i think uh, you know talking a lot about uh Evesy, i think uh, uh pac-man has a lot of those qualities also i mean he's uh, very responsible still a young guy he will make some mistakes but uh you know he's such a big strong kid he's great on face-offs he's detailed defensively and he's got an offensive ability but you know it's amazing when you you had so many people come and go to our games uh you know todd richards from the columbus blue jackets was at our game along with his assistant coaches and some different people, some scouts and stuff, and uh, it is true that uh, uh, one of the first names they bring up is David Pecan, you know, that uh, he stood out to them as a guy that uh, uh, they like the way he played, they like the way what he brings and everything like that. So it's a great compliment to Pac-Man that uh, not only us, but we think of him here in our organization and, of course, the Florida Panthers organization, but, you know, other people that come to the game and, like you said, Nick, have never been to a maybe an ECHL game, never seen David Pecan play or any mm -hmm. of our players, and... Uh, you know, or have high praise for a young guy like that. I imagine, too, and we'll get back to that in a moment, and something else that Todd Richards had to say uh, that I don't think you probably would, would even come out and say because that's the type of guy, humble guy you are. We'll discuss that in a minute. But, but for a second, let's go back to the, to the process uh, with, with NHL scouts and coaches and sometimes even just the broadcasters that have, have made their way. They have a chance to see it live. It makes so much of a difference than looking at a guy on paper, talking to coaches. As much as that helps at times, to be able to see them live, that's got to put a level of pressure, but also, you know, I would say confidence in the fact that a guy like Pecan knows that somebody's in the building. Do you ever talk to them that, hey, so-and-so's in the building tonight or so-and-so's in the building tonight, you got to be on? Uh, sometimes. I think if, if some guys it does benefit. I mean, if I know Nashville Predators are going to be in town, I'll definitely uh, – uh, let some guys know, or, or sometimes they tell me they don't want it. They don't want their players to know. Mm -hmm. They just they'll show up after. Or same thing with Florida. So um, it depends on the situa situation. It depends on where we're at, where the players at. Maybe it's it'd be good for the player to know that uh, the organization is here to watch them and, and give that extra motivation. Or uh, you know sometimes go the other way. So it's mm -hmm. always a different situational thing. And then of course with uh, um, you know a lot of scouts not being <laughs> able to watch NHL games and kind <laughs> of. Uh, uh, you know, we've seen scouts from different uh, different organizations stop by and stuff. So it's been great. I think it's great for our guys to be noticed. It's great for our league, and it's great for our, 
our organization because um, you know when people come to our games they see the 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 the, the whole package of um, you know the Cincinnati Cyclones I think it's a great opportunity for our organization. One of the things that you talked to me about <coughs> on Wednesday, excuse me, um, was just the the overall experience for for the head coach of the of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Todd Richards, who you have a, a pretty good relationship over the years. You played with him in Orlando, and so uh, you had a chance to, to host him, if you will. He went up into the press box, watched the game, and I know had a lot of very complimentary things to say about the way things are run, uh, at least in terms of systems. I know that working as hard as you do in the offseason, spending hours upon hours upon hours putting together, you know, not only film and clips to show your guys, but also the, the charts and the, and the sheets that you hand out, little sayings that you kind of maybe point to certain things in, in people's games that you need to focus on. I, I think the the big thing what Todd Richards said after the game and, and beyond, I'm mean, even Wednesday too, how impressed he was with the systems that you guys are running. What does that mean to you as a coach uh, uh, trying to aspire to the National Hockey League uh, to have somebody like that who you've been so close to say such complimentary things? Well, it's great. I mean, uh, Todd's very intelligent. He's been he's been uh, with some really great coaches in uh, you know in the in the Pittsburgh organization and then even Nashville's organization and then going to San Jose under Todd McClellan and. And, and, and different spots so um, you know it's uh, it's nice I think it's something that we obviously we've worked on all summer some different things and you know we have a lot of guys in here and it's still early in the year but I think there's a uh, um, you know a lot of good things that are happening and it's great when a guy can, like that can come down and notice and, and really be impressed with you know how we're doing things how we're playing and then uh, seeing some of our guys and being very impressed with uh, our players and and the pace of the game I think it was uh, he had the opportunity to go to Orlando the week before they raised the banner in Orlando for the 2001 Turner Cup championship and he was invited down and watched the game and uh, uh, you know he thought that was the level and came to our game and was very very impressed he thought it was uh, night and day the pace and, and, and the way the game was played on that Tuesday morning compared to what he saw in Orlando so you know it was great to hear some of these things it was uh, obviously he's just uh, giving me his thoughts on what he saw that morning and, and, and you know a lot of the good things uh, he did make a couple adjustments I will say that <laughs> that uh, might want to look at a couple couple things little minor things and it was really good so uh, mm -hmm. you know he's a great friend he's a great honest guy and uh, he has a passion for the game and it's great to have someone like that you can always talk to I gotta think too when you're talking to coaches like that it's it's nice to be complimented it's nice to have you know hey you're doing a great job the rally if you will but you're never gonna get better everybody players coaches everybody in, in pretty much any business or or facet of life if you're not if you're not improving every day you're doing something wrong and I think that it's nice that somebody like that who is close to you and, and as a friend is not afraid to also kind of say hey here here are some things I would change because you know obviously he sees hockey at its highest level and, and that's something that you could take home no absolutely I mean like I said just uh, anytime you get around an NHL coach and have a conversations and you know training camps are such a great time for myself and unfortunately for Matt McDonald this year didn't get to go but you know to spend 10 days in Barry Trotz's office or, or Kevin Deneen is uh, you're gonna learn something and it, it's great to have conversations with these guys about different things some of the most minute details of the game that that uh, you know they, they make you think about and it, it's really good so um, you know and a chance for you know Matt to meet Todd Richards and you know mm -hmm. the obviously two defensemen they talked a little bit too after the game about some things and so uh, it's great and uh, you know obviously we hope the lockout ends but if not we'd love to have him back in here. Well there's no good time to, to lose a game or two. Uh, did the last two games offer up a learning lesson and a good learning lesson at that for your guys in the room in terms of what it takes to be successful night in and night out? I, I think so. I think when you, you start a year like 7-0-2, I mean, and, and we won some crazy games. I mean, we, we caught some bounces. We caught some big saves from Fozzie. We've, uh, you know, we found ways. Mike Embox scoring from behind the net in Kalamazoo. Uh, 
you know, late late minute games, Josh Shala. Like, there's just been so many uh, things go our way, which you know you work for, you earn, but uh, you know they can be taken away just as quickly. So I think, uh, you know, I guess yeah, it was, it's something we'll find out Wednesday if those were good lessons uh, uh, Thursday, Friday. So. Um, you know, there, I, I felt those games, you know, we, we could be better. I think there's a few other factors involved, but I think uh, definitely, uh, you know, we got to be better. We got to be prepared and you got to respect, uh, you know, respect what you've done, respect how, what it takes to win, not only through hard work, but you've got to catch some breaks and you've got to earn those breaks. So, um, you know, hopefully that was something good for us to see that uh, we got to come up with our best in order to uh, get these two points no matter who we're playing in this league. Segwaying away from hockey before we let you take a break and we'll uh, be with Dan Eves and Brian Foster here just around the corner. Uh, this is obviously Thanksgiving week as the Cyclones are going to play the day before Thanksgiving night at the, uh, the largest bar night of the year, Dollar Beers at U.S. Bank Arena, of course. And then on Friday, you'll hit the road to face Toledo, followed by a Saturday affair against Wheeling All coming up uh, in the course of the next five days. Thanksgiving traditions are for you, I would imagine, are kind of hectic at times because of, of just the uncertainty of your schedule year after year. But I know that, that you're in a household that has a lot of good cooking. I know that, uh, that you're a fan of good food and good wine, perhaps, at times. Tell me a little bit about what, uh, what your Thanksgiving traditions have been, if there are any. Uh, my, my wife always cooks. I mean, we've been we've been invited to different places, but she always wants to cook. It's like her prep for Christmas. So she'll uh, <laughs> she's gonna cook for the whole team on Thursday, and uh, we'll have everybody over and have a good bite to eat and stuff like that before we get into the weekend. But uh, now we love Thanksgiving. We're just debating whether we're gonna practice on Thanksgiving in the morning. That's something. I think these guys will decide on Wednesday whether we practice <laughs> Thursday or not. We'll find out together. Hopefully they don't for their <laughs> sake and for the Cyclones. We'll take a break, come back with the coach in just a bit. Coming up next, we'll be visited by Cyclones assistant captain Dan Eves. That is on the other side of this timeout. This is the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to CyclonesHockey.com. CyclonesHockey.com. We are back live at the Tap House Grill on this Monday night. November the 19th, Thanksgiving week is here, and we are getting set to take on a few different opponents this week, just two actually over the following three games. Toledo on Wednesday at U.S. Bank Arena for Dollar Beers and then Friday at their place at Huntington Center before finishing off the three-game stretch against the Wheeling Nailers Saturday night, 7 o'clock. We have news to get to before welcoming in Dan Eves. We are going to announce now that the Pabst Party Bus is coming back on January 12th and 13th. Details to follow at CyclonesHockey.com as the clones will make their uh, one of their first trips, actually, into Fort Wayne. So you will have details on that and how you can score some tickets in the coming days at CyclonesHockey.com. But before we move on any further, I want to welcome in our next guest. He's had points in three of his last four games and is tied for third on the team in points, the assistant captain of the Cyclones. Please welcome number 16, Dan Eves. Welcome. Thank you. Good to see you again. How's Always. everything going? Great. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. You've had a chance, and we talked to the coach about this. Uh, bring your mic closer to your mouth there. Okay, sorry. Thanks, big guy. I'm new at this. Uh, no, it's your third time, I think, doing <laughs> something like this. Come on, get it together now. Um, when he talks to you about being a leader, and I don't know if there's really anything that is specifically said as in you're a leader of this team, but at the same time, putting you on the ice in situations that may be a little bit more complicated, whether it be a penalty kill or you need a big goal. Eves is on the ice. Mentioned with him how he's been able to mix and match lines with you, and you heard his comments about what you brought to this club. What does that mean to you, and, and how do you feel about the role you have taken on this team? Uh, well, first off, you know, anytime somebody speaks that highly of you, um, it's definitely an honor, and, and it means you're doing something right um, and something to get noticed. So, 
that's always a positive. And, and um, as far as me playing with, you know, I, I think I've played every different position on every different line this year. Um, you know, having being able to be versatile and, and be able to play in different situations is definitely um, a big asset. Um, you know, I, I've had this talk with you many times. I, I pride myself on doing the little things and, and doing mm -hmm. everything right. And, you know, I can I can play on first line with Lobby and Pelly. I can be a third liner. I can be 10th floor. I can be whatever you need, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, I just, whatever role I'm in, uh, I kind of embrace and, and take off running with. If I need to play center one night, win some faceoffs or whatever, I'm going to put everything I have into that and, and you know, let the, the chips fall where they, where they fall, I guess. And it's, you know, just one of those things I try to go out and give um, – 100% effort no matter what I'm supposed to be doing that night. How difficult is it for you to balance out the highs and the lows of a year? I think as you as you move through your career, maybe it gets easier, but it, you never want to be too high, never want to be too low. Is it a tough balance to strike? Uh, you know, it's definitely something you learn. Uh, you, you definitely need a short memory um, to an extent. Uh, you know, I've been around for, this is my fifth year now, so I've kind of learned how to balance my emotions. Um, you know, my attitude on and off the ice, even in between shifts, you know, sometimes things don't go your way. And, you know, if you're on for a bad goal, you make a turnover or something like that, you got to try to get that out of your head. Well, one, make sure you don't do it again. <laughs> Two, get it out of your head. Um, so you're not gripping the stick tight or anything like mm -hmm. that. But, you know, it's, I think it just comes with time and, and being around and, and experiencing all the different situations. So. You get in situations this week where, I mean, really every week it seems to be busy, but uh, there's not a whole lot of time to, to get uh, training camp style workouts where you go, go to a gym or, you know, you spend time lifting weights. Obviously, you have to, to balance that out throughout the course of the year. You had a chance to work out today out there at the D1 Sports Complex, uh, thanks to Beacon and everybody out there. They do a great job. I know we watched some of that on the uh, documentary during the preseason. Uh, what goes into these in-season workouts? Because we know you skate, and as Coach told me this morning, you guys uh, had a pretty heavy skate. Uh, in terms of what you do off the ice this time of year, give us a synopsis. Uh, I mean, in general, we're not, um, you know, lifting weights or, or anything like that to generally try to get stronger or bigger or anything like that. We're basically trying to maintain what we already have um, and stay in shape. Um, today was a pretty light day considering we play on Wednesday. Um, a lot of plyometrics, ran some sprints, uh, just stuff like that, um, you know, keep our foot speed up and all those things. Is there anything you do personally that maybe helps you get uh, in mental preparation for the game? Um, I mean, everyone has their different routines. Um, I kind of, I just try to relax and I try not to think about things. Mm -hmm. If I'm sitting there, you know, before pregame meal, nap or, or whatever, and thinking too much about the game, then I'm probably going to be a little nervous out there, gripping the stick a little tight and those kind of things. I, I, I generally try to take it easy, uh, maybe play some video games and <laughs> get my mind off things. I don't know. Uh, just relax a bit. You mentioned video games, and I don't like harping on this subject every <laughs> week, but uh, I, I want to invite you into something that we, we kind of created last week with, or was it two weeks ago? I can't remember. They all seem to blend together. With Jonathan Hazen uh, and Matthias Lindstrom, both of whom uh, claim that they are, they are Call of Duty experts. <laughs> I know you are a, a gamer as well. Uh, you, you pointed it out to me that these headsets that we have are very similar <laughs> to the ones that you use in your uh, gaming yeah, days. Much, dork. much bigger broadcast headsets. But anyway, uh, do you have any interest in joining this, uh, this team, perhaps team-wide bet? Wait, can you give me a little more input on Details what uh, are to follow exactly how it will be scored, but there's going to be a Call of Duty tournament between uh, Hazen, myself, and, and Matthias. 
And I guess it's just going to be whoever has the best score collectively in the head-to-head. Uh, Are you I, not into I, that? I might have to back out of that one. I'm well, you're never in. So you're not backing <laughs> no. out. You're not into that, huh? No, I've, I've honestly I've never seen them play or anything. But uh, I know a lot of guys on the team that are better at uh, Call of Duty than me. So I'm not even going to throw my hat in the ring on that <laughs> one. But. So you're a more of a hockey guy than so yeah, I know you were leading. You were the ringleader of that, of de- that yeah, team. Yeah, definitely more of a sports video game kind of guy. Fair to point out that I believe you lost that game though, on the documentary. What you didn't see was game <laughs> two that my team won off camera. Uh, details, yeah. details. All right, back to the hockey for a bit. Actually, you know, kind of a segue uh, from hockey to your personal life. But we we had a story on Channel Nine uh, on Friday that kind of uh, preceded our military appreciation night. And obviously a great night at the arena every time we get a chance to do that. But for you, I know it was it was especially uh, important and special to get a chance to, to maybe support family and that are in the military. You had a chance to, to spend some time out in San Diego with your brother-in-law. Tell us about that story and, and what all went into that. Uh, well, my brother-in-law is a lieutenant junior grade in the Navy. And he, over the summer, um, he was gone for eight months on deployment. So... I was fortunate enough to go out to San Diego, um, take a hovercraft ride into his, um, it's called an amphibious assault vehicle. Not a, not a full aircraft carrier, but a mini one, so helicopters and um, what are those jets that, you know what I'm The Ospreys, the ones that go straight up? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the Ospreys, yeah. So the, that ship, so we drive right in the middle of the ship, and I got to spend um, a full day on an active U.S. warship, which was... One of the coolest things I've ever experienced. Um, I would imagine, you know, most people don't ever get to experience that. I got to see firsthand, um, you know, what life is like on the ship, mm-hmm. their duties on the ship. Um, There's only a, a couple areas that I wasn't allowed to go into. Um, and lucky enough for me, my brother-in-law is an officer, so I was treated <laughs> <laughs> fairly well. Um, we had our own dining hall and that sort of thing. And our, you know, the, the sleeping conditions were actually really excellent considering I, I walked through the whole ship and saw some of the people couldn't yeah. even roll over in their beds. They were so small. But it uh, it was really special to see, um, you know, the home homecoming is obviously really big there. Mm-hmm. And to get to see my brother-in-law before um, anyone else did, I thought that was awesome. And then especially to see him reunite with my sister mm-hmm. um, and their infant daughter, my niece, obviously. Um, was just something special. I'll never forget it. I mean, I documented probably every second of it <laughs> on my iPhone and camera. And yeah. You know, it's just, it's one of those things I'll never forget and, and probably a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And it was just, you know, coming into the weekend, being able to wear that jersey. Last year, um, I was hurt when we had military night, so I didn't get to wear the jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially having the red, white, and blue feel, you know, anytime being an American, you get to put those colors on. It's just something special. I got to think, too, I mean, you get, a, regardless of whether you are, are there on the ship yourself or you're hearing stories. And, you know, I, I have family that, that is in the Navy as well, so I kind of have the, the same mentality as you in that sense. It's just amazing to, to hear some of the things that go on, the, the things they can tell you, actually, as many times that, that some of the stories, perhaps some of the more dangerous or even entertaining stories or, or some they can't tell you. What is it like being, being able to, you know, support the military and, and just have a chance to, to pay tribute to those types of people? I mean, it's awesome, especially having my brother-in-law and the family now and, you know, our troops overseas are sacrificing so much, let alone risking their lives every day, what they're sacrificing, being away from their families and their wives and their daughters and sons and everything like that. You know, anytime you can represent your country, um, I I think it's a huge honor. And just having the stars and stripes on our jersey the other night, it it just felt awesome. I wish we would have had a better outcome to the game, but... 
you know, all in all, it was a really good cause. And you mentioned the, you know, the, the homecoming, things like that. Obviously, anybody that's in the armed services of any kind uh, knows very well that sometimes the, the major holidays that we sometimes take for granted are, are ones that they don't get to spend with their families. You're kind of in a similar boat in the sense that you're an athlete. And a lot of times in hockey circles, mm -hmm. even in college, you don't get a chance to actually have that traditional Thanksgiving. What are your traditions over the years since you've been playing, you know, at, on a regular basis competitively this time of year? Uh, you know, Thanksgiving's always been kind of hard. Uh, my first couple years in Trenton, a few of us got together and, and tried to make a whole, you know, huge Thanksgiving dinner. And first year didn't go so well. But uh, <laughs> second year, we, we perfected, um, you know, our methods and, and had a really nice meal. And then um, South Carolina, when I was there, uh, we were on the road and had a nice team meal at a hotel. And then last year, uh, Scalds had a few of us over for a really nice meal. And that was awesome. And we're looking forward to Thursday as well. N not a bad cook, are you? Or do, you, um, or do you try just to order in when you can? I mean, I, I can cook. I, I'm a little lazy this year. Maury and I have kind of <laughs> <laughs> hopped in the car and gone out to, to eat more often than staying home. But, uh, no, I, I, I try to cook a little bit. Is there any one dish, and it's actually our poll question right now, CyclonesHockey.com, <laughs> if you care to, uh, to answer. Uh, for you, what's, what's your favorite opportunity uh, to jump in on the table? Is it the turkey stuffing, dessert? What, what is it for you? Uh, straight turkey, yeah. I'm a... You know, meat and potatoes kind of guy. It's mm -hmm. nothing special. I'm not into the whole cranberry sauce or pumpkin pie or anything. You don't like eat that, pumpkin pie. I I've eaten it before. You know, it's not something I don't like, but it's not something I'm saying I gotta have. But uh, you have to have a good pumpkin pie then. I think that'll change your mind. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I I just I keep it simple. That's nothing yeah. bad. That's not, not <laughs> a bad thing at all. Appreciate yeah. you being with us. I know you've been very busy over the course of the young season, and uh, we'll hopefully uh, catch up again, at least uh, whether on the Cyclones Radio Network during a game or back here at the Coaches Show. Thanks a lot. Sure. Thanks for having me. That's Cyclones Assistant Captain Dan Eves. We'll come back with the Cyclones goaltender. Brian Foster is coming up next on the Cyclones Radio Network. CyclonesHockey.com. This is the Cyclones Radio Network. Back again for another segment here at the Tap House Grill in Kenwood on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. We'll be back again next Monday night. So after you uh, gorge yourself potentially on Thanksgiving meal, be with us on Monday at 7 when we will hopefully be talking about three Cyclones wins and looking ahead to another busy week and the kickoff to December. Please welcome my next guest now as we move on with the man who has been uh, in that for every Cyclones win this season. And as I mentioned earlier with the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, he is the sixth best goaltender in the ECHL in terms of goals against average. This all despite the fact he did not play last week. Please give it up for number 35, goaltender Brian Foster. Hi, Brian. Hi, how's it going? I'm well. Thanks for being with us. Uh, taking a few minutes, I guess. Take me back to Saturday night in Greenville, or two Saturdays ago in Greenville. Uh, exactly what happened and when, and when did you know it was kind of going to be too much to bear at that stage with um, the groin? Well, it was something that happened. It happened at the end of the game on Friday, actually. I just tweaked it a little bit. It wasn't nothing major or anything. Um, it felt fine the next morning, and uh, I went back in Saturday night, uh, played the first shot of the game. I actually tweaked it a little, little again, and it was, uh, it wasn't feeling great during during the game. So um, we just figured it wasn't something to worth really pushing through, and and uh, kind of want, wanted to rest it instead of just going out there fighting through it and seeing what happened. But right, well, for groin injuries too. I mean, it, it's got to be a frustrating scenario because that's something you use every single time you're on the ice. You're you're making saves, you're moving, and obviously when you move laterally, it can be extremely painful I'd imagine depending on how badly it's tweaked uh, is it as frustrating for you day-to-day -day not really knowing kind of where it's at I mean how do you how do you mentally take care of that 
Um, well, yeah, it is. It is really frustrating. Um, obviously, I wanted to keep playing, and we were on a. I, I was feeling really good, so you want to keep that going. But um, obviously, the groin is tough to for a goalie to hurt. Um, I use that a lot, and uh, walking around like every day, it's not something you don't even feel. So yeah. Um, like I would feel good, and then uh, when I have to go on the ice, you use that muscle a lot. So it's something that uh, you kind of have to just take your time. A lot of rest, uh, stretching, and getting in to see our trainer, Bob, and uh, he's been helping me out. So I know you have an, a pretty extensive stretching routine, actually, when we're walking by uh, before the game to do the interview with the head coach and, and just talking about what's going on. You're in either you know a, a, a alternate room or a, a side room kind of doing your stretching routines. Tell us about uh, how you go through that routine and, and what goes into your pregame uh, rituals in terms of getting your body ready to play. Yeah, well, stretching is something I do every day. Obviously, being a goalie, you need to you need to have those uh, that uh, that part of your game um, to try to not get hurt. Obviously, it it, it happened, but um, yeah, every every day I do it before games. Um, I do a lot of stretching, like probably like 30 minutes of stretching. Um, and yeah, that's how I get ready. Um, you gotta feel good. I if you don't feel loose going in there, um, you're not gonna be comfortable with yourself. So I just make sure I'm feeling good every day and. Uh, Keeping up with that. Uh, you've been a busy goalie so far. Obviously played in all the games uh, leading up to the injury. From your perspective, uh, we talked about speed of the game now that the uh, American League players have filtered down from the NHL lockout. Uh, from between the pipes, does the game feel faster to you than in, in years past, or is that not something you really pay much attention to as you look at the puck instead? Um, it's not something you notice too much. I don't think um, between the, the leagues it's too, too much of a difference with speed. Um, everyone's good, and, and obviously there's better players in this league now. Um, but, I mean, you notice it a little bit. When I'm in the game, you don't really notice it as it's going on. You're, you're really in the zone, so everything actually slows down for you. Um, you kind of see the play better, and you can see, kind of know what's going on. So, I mean, in my mind, it actually slows down. Second half of last year, you made your debut in the National Hockey League, and uh, I gotta think that for for anybody who's in the, uh, the a Cyclones jersey as a fan or somebody who's even in the locker room, had to be just thrilled that, uh, to for you to get in and and you know watch your career get to that point. Although you know in a backup situation, not necessarily expecting to go in. Take me back to that moment when a you got the call. Uh, that you were going to go up to the NHL, and then B, after that, explain what it was like when you were on the bench and got summoned to play. Yeah, well, um, I found out New Year's Day, actually. Skulls called me and uh, let me know. Um, at first, I didn't know what to, what to think. I didn't even know if it was really happening until I actually got my itinerary. Um, so, yeah, that was just incredible, incredible. I got up there. Um, the first game I actually got there, my flight was delayed. Um, none of my stuff made it with me. I didn't have any of my equipment. It came in like five minutes before warm-up, so mm -hmm. I was rushing out there. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was an unbelievable experience. Um, just being a part of that was, I mean, I'm so grateful for that. And to actually get in the game, um, it was in Tampa when uh, Clemson got pulled into the second. Uh, I went in and... Uh, yeah, I've never been happier. Was that a, a moment that there was any, I mean, obviously butterflies, no matter what you're playing in or, you know, in an NHL building, let alone just being able to, you know, be in the locker room is one excitement and then you get a chance to actually get in. Did it take you by surprise? Was it just kind of like, oh, here we go? Or, or were there any butterflies leading up to it, kind of expecting potentially that you could go in at any point? Um, I wouldn't say in that game there's too much butterflies. When I first got up there, you don't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. You don't know how the guys are going to be and uh, – Especially with my stuff not getting there, there's little butterflies. But um, 
yeah, the guys were great. They made me feel really comfortable. Um, the coaches and everything there were were awesome. So, I mean, the game I got into was a few games after I got up there, so I was feeling a little more comfortable at the time. And when I got in there, he kind of, like, when he first tells you you're going in, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. And then as soon as you step on the ice, it, everything goes away, and you just you just stick to playing hockey. Well, we really appreciate you spending a few minutes with us, and we're happy that you're going to be back between the pipes on Wednesday night. Good luck, and, and stay healthy, all right? All right, thank you. That's Cyclones goaltender Brian Foster. We'll come back with one more segment as head coach Jared Scaldi joins us after this on the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. All right, final segment tonight on this Monday, November the 19th. Cincinnati kicking off a three-game week beginning Wednesday night with Dollar Beer, Cincinnati's largest pre-party for the largest beer night of the year, too. It's going to be a hopping night downtown Cincinnati. Hope you start your fun with us, 7.30, against the Toledo Walleye. More about that now with the Cyclones head coach, Jared Scaldi, for just another couple of minutes. This uh, week is going to have a chance for you guys to see two different teams that you have seen already. Of course, Toledo twice and Wheeling once. In round number two against the Walleye, what have you learned from the first meeting that's going to help you in the second and the third? Well, I think uh, we met them early on up in their building, and I thought we stuck to our, t our game plan pretty well. Uh, you know, they've, they've got a good team. They've got some speed up front. They've got some size on defense. I think uh, the key to our success on uh, Wednesday is going to be getting pucks deep, getting on their defense. I mean, uh, you know, they're big, strong guys. You've got to fight to get to the front of the net, but I think if you make them turn, uh, make them work in the defensive zone, we'll create more scoring opportunities for ourselves. So. Uh, a lot of shots to the net, but the, the key is our forwards have got to get to those areas because of the size of their defense. It's going to be a, it's going to be a tough night in that area, but uh, we got to find a way. And of course, just uh, you know, uh, containing some of the speed they have. They do have some talented forwards up front that uh, you know we're definitely going to have to contain that speed. Yeah, Willie Coates, the Andre Nestrichel, the two leading scorers for that team, and they have some good goaltending as well. Ken Simpson has kind of shouldered the load for them of late, uh, and now knowing kind of. Uh, what you know about him, really it doesn't change a whole lot in terms of, of how you plan on beating him, doesn't it? No, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the good thing that, that I'm happy about is the, you know, the different guys stepping up and scoring. We talked about Abby getting one, mm -hmm. but, you know, like Josh Shallow stepping up, Cam Reed scoring an OT winner for us, and right. then, you know, some different guys. So, um, again, you know, it's something that uh, we're going to work on in practice tomorrow, our drive, driving wide, getting pucks to the net, getting people to the net. And when you get there, you don't expect that rebound and, and, and a heavy stick in front of the net. Same thing on Friday, I would imagine, too. Getting a quick start has been so important for this club over the, the many weeks of this season here, with this being week number seven. Uh, and in their building, it seems like when you can get them off their game early, they are very easy to beat, as opposed to the opposite is the case when they get the puck in the net first. No, absolutely. I mean, Toledo's, uh, like I said before, it's always crazy games up there. You know, there's... Uh, Either way, I mean, we've been up there with leads and somehow end up uh, walking out of there with a point. And other nights that uh, we found ways to get get the win, and it always seems to be a crazy games in there. And uh, we expect uh, the same thing with Wheeling. You just never know where they're at with their depth, uh, with call-ups and guys. Uh, uh, I know they only had eight forwards in a game the other day, and uh, so we don't know where they're going to be at. But again, uh, you know, like uh, Evansville on Thursday, not to take anything away from that club. You know, we, we've got to be better against a team uh, below us in the standings like that. That, um, you know, if a team's hurting and whether it's with depth and stuff, that's when you got to jump all over them. And you mentioned that that point about getting guys into the mix now. You, you're going to have basically your roster as it stands right now in the lineup with, with your 10 forwards and, and moving forward on the defensive side too. Fossey back in, of course, as well. It's going to be an opportunity for guys to really, you know, answer the bell because obviously every time you have a test, a loss, or whatever you have, even a tough game, regardless of win or loss, you come into that next 
last week really hungry for those victories. How important is it to start off the week with that intensity for you watching it from the well, bench? Well, it's good for our group, and it's good for the guys getting in. I mean, they've been obviously not happy about sitting out, and now there's their opportunity. I think, uh, you know, it's almost one of those things, be careful what you wish for. I mean, the yeah. same thing with uh, uh, Hetney, you know what I mean? He wanted to play, wanted to play. Well, here's your opportunity, and now you've got to make the most of it. And, uh, you know, it's no different than some of these guys that are obviously frustrated not playing, but... Here you go. And I just want to say one thing about Fozzie. My highlight of Fozzie getting called up was on the way down the airport. He asked how salaries work. And, and I said, well, what do you make up? And he told me, and I could see him playing with his phone. I said, go ahead, do the math. They said, divide it by 180, whatever your salary is, and that's what you get a day. I remember he came up with a number, and he was like, that's what I get every day up there. And I'm like, yep. i never seen a guy with a smile on his face. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun, fun week to watch from Cincinnati. Congratulations to him on that. Thanks for being with us again. Good luck this Thanks week. Thanks for coming, guys. Take That's care. Cyclones head coach Jared Scully. I'm Nick Runker for Dan Eves and Brian Foster. Thank you for being with us, and we will hopefully see you Wednesday night, U.S. Bank Arena, as the Clones take on Toledo. Good night, everybody.